Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. The term special education, and that's always struck me as a little bit odd, kind of an oxymoron. I mean, isn't education already special? Of course, the term really has come to mean teaching students who have a hard time learning, which, when you think about it, is also a strange term. There are lots of different kinds of learning, with your head, with your hands, with your heart, and all human beings are A students from the day that they're born at learning what they need to survive. Well, today's morning story comes from a teacher of special education in New York City named Christine Graylow. She's been keeping a blog about her experiences as a teacher in the South Bronx. Hi, Christine. And I Hi, called her up last week Fine. to get a bit of her story. Hard to find a landline in New York City now. A couple of my friends have landlines. They're very old-fashioned. <laughs> no problem. I haven't done anything on radio for a long time. I'll probably need a couple practices with my story. This is podcasting. And you know the difference between radio and podcasting? People are a lot friendlier. It's, wow, really? Yeah, it's much more of a conversation between you and the people listening because they get back to you. So it's kind of like blogging. It's like right. the love child of blogging. Okay. <laughs> when I first started my blog, I felt that way. I developed insomnia my first year of teaching. So I decided, well, I'm going to do something positive with my insomnia. You know, I'm going to at least stay up and write. And there was this whole community of teachers out there doing this. You know, people really encouraging each other. I was in a pretty extreme teaching position up in the South Bronx at a very high needs school. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought that I was experiencing something more extreme than most special education teachers might. I got some responses from Australia, from London. Special education, there's so much that they don't tell you. I thought I was going to come in getting specific training in how to teach a child with autism, how to teach a child with dyslexia. Um, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> uh-huh. What else don't they tell you that, that you learned from being there your first year? Wow. Um, there is a lot of paperwork. Sometimes the paperwork gets so overwhelming that special education teachers have to spend hours and hours and hours after teaching and after lesson planning. And so few people either know how to implement a good individualized education plan. You just said something very eloquent. You said, (sighs) (laughs) Urban special education teaching, it's an extremely high burnout field. I just remember several days when I would go, you know, to the teacher's bathroom and see other teachers in there crying and trying to hide it. It's just such a, Mm. such an intense job, so Mm. much responsibility, but I just, I just knew I had to do it. How were you sure? It's sort of strange, that gut feeling that I've gotten in a, in a few cases with, with major life decisions. It's a certainty and a fear at the same time. I knew I had to do that. If teaching someone is, is touching some part of them that otherwise would not be touched, what is it you want to touch? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, I wanted them to find what I've found in writing mm-hmm. and in, in literacy, basically, which is, yeah, the ability to be able to say to the world that what I'm experiencing is important. Uh-huh. My life is important. And the lives of the teenagers that I taught in the South Bronx are so important. There's so many people who need to hear their stories. Things were not okay at all at the school I was at. Not okay. I mean, the graduation rate was down less than 20%. A lot of my students were living in the projects in very sketchy situations. It wasn't okay. And my students needed to be able to express their emotions. Yeah. For me, it's so important that these kids' stories get out there. 
And it's not just the stories of students we need to hear, but the stories of teachers, too. You have one for us, right? Right. It's 8 a.m. I look at my students. Jessica still sucks her thumb. She's six months pregnant. Michael is high again. He self-medicates each morning to numb the pain of neglect. Christopher smells of urine. I can't keep track of which foster home he lives in. These kids are barely hanging on. But right now, I don't care. One of them is a thief. My miniature purple stapler is gone. I love my purple stapler. In the cluttered, mouse-infested teacher's lounge, my purple stapler sparkles. It's one of the few things left in my life as a teacher that makes me smile. It's missing, and I'm about to go ballistic. Wig out. Hit the ceiling. All right, I say. Who took my purple stapler? My students stare in shock. I'm on the verge of tears. What's wrong, Miss Dennis? You okay? I'll tell you what's wrong. Look around this classroom. The Board of Ed gives me nothing. Nothing. Look at all these books and posters and videos. Do you know who bought these? I did. With my own money. That was my purple stapler. That's it. I'm taking everything. For once, my students are silent. They watch as I tear down and pile up everything I paid for myself. The books, posters, videos, and markers. Stop playing us, miss, Michael says. You're not really going to take all that home. You take the sixth train. I seen you yesterday. Can't take all that home on the sixth train. He's right, and I feel ridiculous. Miss, were you really crying over a stapler? I calm down and try to salvage what left of me as a teacher. Now, not just any stapler, Charles. My lovely, tiny, purple stapler. Laughter. Finally. After class, one by one, each student comes back to show me where the purple stapler is dashed. In a desk drawer in back of the classroom. Even the toughest students, the ones who've learned to show nothing at all, come back to make sure I am reunited with my stapler. One of them in particular helps me put back all of the books, posters, videos, and markers with a special eagerness, and I suspect I've found my thief. But right now, I don't care. Right now, all these kids are hanging on just a little bit tighter. Thank you. Thank you for your interest and for contacting me. Really, it's a pleasure speaking with you. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Today's morning story from Christine Graylow, My Little Purple Stapler. And uh, as I sit here in the studio with Gary Mudd, I can't help thinking I identify with almost every single person in that story. I think teaching is a lot like golf. Like golf. Golf. Okay. Because golf is a really hard game, but it's that one, one drive, it's that one killer shot out of the sand trap that keeps you coming back. The chance to reach that one kid. Yeah. That moment, that purple stapler moment. This is probably the right venue to um, to apologize to Miss San Martin. <laughs> We're talking, you know, Lock Hill Elementary in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> fifth grade. Fifth grade, so fifth you're grade. what, 22, 23? <laughs> I was, but, you know, 9, 10, 11. My class was so awful, we made Miss San Martin cry. The the crime the crime was was nothing more than oh, nothing um, more than okay yeah he's he's not ready yet Miss San Martin. <laughs> <laughs> 
My mother taught high school. She would get up every morning at 4 o'clock before dawn to be picked up for a ride 15 miles to a little agricultural community near where we lived. There was always at least one kid in her class. She taught English who really inspired her to keep on going. It would be that one kid who got it. What drove your mother? She gave kids a sense of how exciting it was to be able to have the world open up for you. And I know that's true because not only could I see it in the faces of her students when they'd come back to see her, but also because they remembered her as this wonderful, vital person. And no one ever remembered that all the years that she was teaching them, she was physically disabled and walked on one and sometimes two crutches. And they weren't being nice in not mentioning that one. It wasn't a part of who she really was to them. Frankly, it it's, scares the heck out of me thinking mm-hmm. about standing in front of, you know, five or six classrooms full of, you know, teenagers yeah. every day. And, That's the front lines. And, yeah. the, I mean, that just, that scares me. The night before the start of a new school year for Lori, she goes to bed. What state is she in? Um, she's anxious. She's nervous. She's excited. Usually after the first day at work, she'll come home and she's just flying. Mm. Because she sees opportunity to make something happen in their mm. lives. She's yeah. a biology teacher. Yeah. You know, just, just the opportunity to bring our pet rat into the classroom and mm. have the kids ooh and ah. You know, that's that's exciting to her. So the night before school is also a big night for your pet rat, too. <laughs> the cage gets cleaned. Uh, you know. <laughs> I hope it sleeps. I hope it has a good night's sleep. It's going to need it. We, we also have some, uh, some mail I just wanted to share with you. Sometimes you just get a wonderful description of where the show is being taken around this world. That just fills me with delight. Todd who uh, comes from Bangkok. He says, I just wanted to say that Morning Stories is heard with eagerness and enthusiasm here in Bangkok through a delightful alleyway filled with the aroma of fried chicken, noodle soups, and the sights of roasted ducks hanging in the windows. The streets are busy with shopkeepers opening up for the day's business. The barber playing checkers with bottle caps. The fried banana lady who wants to make me fat by eating those delicious batter-fried bananas, and the English newspaper sales guy that hands me the paper before I can reach in my pocket for the change to pay him. The street is awash with the color of daily flower offerings to the Buddha and the smell of incense burning. Bangkok is wonderful in the morning, and Morning Stories, for me, is a part of it. Well, thank you very much for taking us along with you, Todd. Um, Got a great letter from Andrea from Chicago. I am 21 years old. I was listening to Morning Stories, listening to one, then two, and before I knew it, two hours had gone by, and I was, from that day, addicted. I wait patiently every week for the new story. The stories are enough, but your take on them are what keeps me listening. Hmm. So, I just wanted to let you know that your stories are loved by people of all ages from all over. Andrea, thank you very much, from Jim. And uh, the subject of his email is, You're Killing Me. 
<laughs> I quote, you've changed something on your website because my usual docile podcatcher is downloading practically all the shows I have heard already. I am deleting them as fast as they download because I have them all already. I had to disable your feed to stop it. What's going on? We do have an explanation right there. We've moved all our morning stories off of one server and put them on a new server. This will actually increase the speed of uh, Mm. the download Mm -hmm. for each week's podcast, so we feel good about that. What we don't feel great about is the experience (laughs) of Jim. Uh, But this is a one-time thing. We promise that this screw-up will never be repeated, but new screw-ups will probably take its place. So let's, let's also apologize in advance. One thing for you to expect that, that is a little unusual, in fact, it's the first time officially, I think, that we have ever done this in almost two years of podcasting. We are really, really, really taking a week off, meaning we're not offering anything new next week. Just our our continued thanks to you for downloading, and don't stop doing that, because we'll be back the week after. And thank you, we Switch for supporting this podcast as you have every week, whether we are here or not. If you want to know more about them, go to their website, ipswitch.com, I-P-S-W-I-T-C-H, a leader in file transfer software. And please let us know what you think at morningstories at wgbh.org and check out our website at wgbh.org slash morningstories. Take care. Bye.